Welcome to I'm Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people. Today we will be talking to Adam Martin as part of our series on commentating. Uh, a little bit first though, um, this one is a little out of order. Uh, we already did two episodes on commentating, uh, one with Dorian Price from Max Muay Thai, the second one with Tendi Movil from uh, Absolute Muay Thai. This one is just a little out of order. We did the WBC bod- podcast with Kevin Noon, uh, the last one. Uh, there is an upcoming convention on from March 14th to the 16th uh, for the WBC here in Bangkok, so I want to push that one forward and definitely let people know about it. If you haven't registered, I would recommend you uh, register for the great conference. Um, now you can head over to the WBC Muay Thai Facebook page and figure out the information there. Um, if you'd like to reach me, you can follow me on Instagram, Matt Lucas BKK, or email me at a period, Matt period Lucas at gmail.com. Thanks to everyone that's supported me so far, sharing the podcast, leaving reviews. Uh, if you'd like to leave a review, that would be super helpful. You can do so on the iTunes store. Uh, I want to personally thank a few people for helping me out when I broke my camera. Uh, They donated money and have helped me put together a few Behind the Fight uh, series. I'm hoping to do another one soon for the month of March. Um, But we'll see what happens. But anyways, thank you, Vinny Scotto, Patrick Rivera, Dave Brooks, Sean Madden, and Wendell Galano, and of course, Chris Tran. Also, Uh, Plug for my recent book, uh, I'm Fighting in Thailand, A Guide to the Sport in the Motherland. Um, After years of hard work, um, I've basically published an encyclopedia. Uh, This clear guide goes over matchmaking, scoring, picking a a gym, fight styles, gambling, and more. Uh, It has a series of interviews, including uh, long-term fighters like Michael Savas, Willie Whipple, Angela Chang, and others. Uh, you can get your copy off of Amazon, imprint, or as an ebook. Just type in "I'm fighting in Thailand." Uh, you can also find a link on my personal website, www.matt-lucas.com. Uh, thanks to some of my other sponsors, uh, Nakmoy Legends, for their continued support of the show. They create some great Muay Thai apparel, with portions of the proceeds going back to the legends they celebrate. Uh, All the superstars have been paid for their images as well. You can check out their uh, apparel at www.knockmoylegends.com. Use On Fighting to get 15% off your order. Um, Thanks, as always, to Patrick Rivera for helping get the show started. I think when this show airs, I will be heading out to America for a week. Uh, I will be doing a talk on publicity at the Muay Thai Business Summit uh, which is going to be held in Stockton on February 22nd to the 24th. It has a seminar by Malapet, um, some mind coaching by Brian Dobler. Uh, it should be a great night and a great weekend of activity. Uh, first, a little bit of information about um, Adam Martin, our guest for today. He's been out here in Thailand for over eight years. 
he came over wanting to teach English and he signed up for a TEFL course two and a half months later. He's in the classroom. Uh, his involvement in commentary was a, you know, a bit of hard work, a bit of connections. Um, he knew his co-commentator, Aaron, Aaron Sampan, who is the son of Master Woody, who runs a WMO. Um, Aaron invited him to join him commentating at MBK Fight Night. Um, since then, um, he's worked at Kunlun. He's uh, filled in at Channel 7. Um, he's been long-term at TIE Fight. Uh, over four years of experience working in the game. Um, so he has a lot of knowledge, and it's a really interesting talk, especially about some of our career stuff. Um, so without further ado, the interview with Adam Martin. So I'm here with Adam Martin. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Adam. Yeah, sure. It was easy. (laughs) I came here, so makes it easy. Uh, We're here in Bangkok in Adam's fancy condo by Ding Ding Intersection. Uh, but first off, uh, you have a degree in uh, broadcast journalism uh, from the States. Where did you go and what was that experience like? Uh, because you are sort of working in the field now, what was the education process versus the reality? Yeah, I think the broadcast journalism degree probably looks better on paper mm-hmm. than in terms of what skills it's actually given me. You know, when I went to university, I really had no idea what I wanted to do. I mean, I was just a kid. And the thought process was, I want to be Mike Gorman. That's what it really was. I wanted to go work for the... He's the play-by-play guy for the Boston Celtics. Mm -hmm. Has been for the last 40 years. You love the Celtics. Yeah, and I just... But, I mean, he's been doing the job for 40... He's going to be doing the job until he dies. And I didn't connect the dots at the time that those jobs just don't become available. Mm -hmm. So... That was my thought process. I'm going to work for the Boston Celtics. And I went to university for broadcast journalism. And honestly, I went to the University of Maine. Mm-hmm. I didn't learn shit, to be honest. You probably I, mean, I learned how to work a soundboard. That's and, good, But I mean, I guess. like the way those big state schools work and the way those programs work is basically the first two years, you're just doing general education requirements. I'm That's taking good. math classes, I'm yeah, taking science yeah. classes. So I didn't even get hands-on experience with the kind of stuff my degree was for until my junior year. Mm-hmm. And you know, and by then it's almost like you're committed, even mm-hmm. if it's something you, you felt, you feel like this isn't really what I, what I signed up for, it's too mm-hmm. late. So I got a couple of classes that were pretty good, but like again, wait, Which ones? Like I just like I said, I, I got some hands on experience running a soundboard mm-hmm. and like we had one class where we were we created like a news program, so I got some oh, experience that's pretty doing good. Like anchor work and stuff. I always felt like I could have been Ron Burgundy. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I wasn't handsome enough. Like those Aww. jobs always no, I mean those jobs always go to good looking people though. I mean it's I like know. half about how you talk and half about how you look. Like, all the girls I went to school with that were beautiful all have ended up being, like, the weather person at, <laughs> at some yeah. at some news station. So, yeah, and, and honestly... You um, gotta start a podcast where it's okay to be you, Adam. <laughs> or I like, thought that's uh, what this uh, was. Yeah, I, I meant, like, a, a news show. Yeah. You know, it's okay to be, you know... I enjoyed, Martin looking. I enjoyed reading the news. That was the one yeah. thing Ron Burgundy and I had in common. Yeah. <laughs> 
So um, you have the broadcast journalism background that obviously didn't really help you that much. Uh, but you have a fair amount of uh, commentating background or experience now. You've uh, been at, worked at MBK Fight Nights for three years, mm. uh, Kunlun for a year or two. You've worked at Channel 7. You've been at Thai Fight for four years. Uh, what has it been like learning on the job? It's been great. I mean, I've been really lucky and blessed just being in the right place at the right time, knowing the right people. I mean, I still remember the first time... I commentated, it was a disaster. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not usually the kind of person that's, um, that doesn't have words, mm-hmm. but the first time I commentated on Muay Thai show, I had nothing to say. Really? Nothing. nothing. I kind of sat next to Aaron, my co-commentator, and I was just like nervous, and I didn't know how to talk, when to talk, whatever. I mean, to be fair, also... I was pretty new to Muay Thai at the time mm-hmm. as well. So I wasn't I didn't feel comfortable really giving my opinion on what was happening when I wasn't really sure. I mean yeah. I I've been watching fights, MMA in particular, since I was probably twelve years old. Yeah. So I mean so with, with MMA I had a lot of experience and I felt comfortable, but I didn't really get into Muay Thai until I came out to Thailand mm-hmm. roughly eight years ago. So in a lot of ways, when I first started commentating, the sport was, was really new to me. What do you feel is the difference between commentary for MMA versus uh, Muay Thai commentary? Oh, God. Well, now that I'm familiar with Muay Thai, I, I'm all Muay Thai all day. Mm-hmm. Muay Thai and kickboxing, they're just, they're just so much simpler in my mind. And I'm sure there's some Muay Thai athletes out there that'll tell me to go fuck myself. But, <laughs> yeah. I mean, from watching it, it's just... The techniques are much more straightforward. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about the grappling and hundreds of different positions and and submissions that you'll see when you start getting jujitsu involved and wrestling involved. You just you know you learn the techniques of, of setting up, you know, punching strikes or round kicks or working the body or working the legs and southpaw versus orthodox. I mean, there's just um there's just a handful of stuff that you can become really familiar with and then you and then you just feel much more comfortable. Mm-hmm. The action. Um, so you've also done a little bit of sports writing, and uh, when we were talking off air, you you read a lot of sports stuff. Um, one of the things I enjoy that you do is you do write ups on the tie fight results all the time. Um, what what is the what do you feel the sports writing and sports news world is like in terms of journalism and write ups and how do you feel like you might be doing something different? Well, it's funny. I don't I don't know if other people are like me. I can really only speak from my own experience, but I don't really read a lot of like fighting journalism. Mm-hmm. Like generally speaking, when I go on to like MMA fighting or something and it's after after an event I, I'll skim the article mm-hmm. and I'll go to the comments. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like uh, I just don't think that there that there's a lot to say. Like I mean, there there are a couple of guys. Like uh, there's a guy on uh, Facebook and YouTube named Jack Slack. Oh yeah, uh-huh. it's a pseudonym, but he's got some really interesting breakdowns. Um, Lawrence Kenshin does some really cool like video journals of like different techniques and stuff. But generally, like I find that I gravitate more towards informative but humorous writing mm-hmm. which is obviously the way I write yeah, as well that's definitely like, you're funny and, and I don't think that exists really and I, and I get it like fighting is serious 
and it's weird to try to balance reporting on somebody fighting and also injecting humor in it yeah. because people it's life or death for a lot of people and maybe they don't like the fact that you are looking at it <laughs> through a lens of like I'm going to put some jokes in here too it's a fine balance for me it all came from like I, like you said I read a lot of sports stuff when I was younger but it wasn't fight stuff it was mostly basketball related so like Bill Simmons was the guy for me Mm -hmm. that I used to read a lot of. He's like a, a New England sports personality. And he used to do like a lot of writing for ESPN and eventually had his own website. And all of his writing was always in that vein. It was always really informative, really knowledgeable, but also humorous and brought in like pop culture references and stuff. So when you say like, I'm doing something different, I think it's, it's only different because it's infighting. Really, mm. I'm, I feel like in some ways I'm like a... Like a really, um, like a shade of Simmons. <laughs> I mean, but that's the way, like, a lot of things work is, like, you draw uh, influences from other areas and other parts of your life, and then you sort of mix them together to make them your own. I sort of want to, um, I don't have it up right now, but I do want to bring up one of the TIE Fight, oh, here it is, TIE Fight commentary, because some of them are, like, I do think they're funny. Usually when I read them, I'm always like, oh, there's at least one really clever line. Um, uh, the Wi-Fi is being a little slow. I appreciate that because I, I think you're like one of three people that reads <laughs> yeah. those, those write-ups that I well, do. So. It's, it's important to have like a hardcore fan base yeah, and then you build off of that. Um, hardcore and held in one hand. <laughs> That's the best way. It doesn't get out of control, right? Yeah. Someday when I'm famous, it'll be like giving my shout outs to the, yeah, to the, to the three guys that were always there with me. <laughs> um, so it's taking me a minute to load it up. So we'll move on a bit and then circle back. Um, so obviously you've worked um, a few different types of entertainment shows and also the stadium show at Channel 7. What is it like working these different entertainment shows? Yeah, I mean, they're all different. So obviously MBK is where I, where I started. And obviously most of those fighters were more like amateur. Some of the fights were really good. Some of them were not, not so good. But I think the coolest thing about that environment was um, it felt like ours. Mm -hmm. Like it felt like this was our show. Mm -hmm. And I still remember getting off the BTS at National Stadium and I would be able to hear Aaron like giving the announcements from the platform like a uh, fight starting in 30 minutes <laughs> and, I, and I would walk to the ring and I would feel like such a badass. Like those were like some of the most badass days of my life. Mm -hmm. Like, excuse me, I gotta get to, the, I gotta get to the ring. Excuse me, I'm the commentator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like, and then when you get down there, you do the show, and you'd be able to hear your own voice broadcast. So, I mean, obviously, Tie Fight is a much bigger stage, right? And much more glamorous, but no one really hears it. Yeah, I think it's Aaron's it's... mom, my co-commentator. His mom <laughs> listens, uh -huh. and maybe a handful of other people. And obviously, the broadcast is just fed right into the. You know, it's not you don't hear it mm -hmm. produced out out loud, and, and there's a big difference in that. Yeah. So for a little background, the MBK fight nights ran for pretty regularly. I fought on an MBK fight night like maybe 
uh, eight years ago, mm. um, and it was like weekly or monthly, uh, free. Um, pretty like you said, low to mid level. People getting their feet wet. A lot of tourists coming through uh, because MBK is right in the heart of the city. It's a uh, BTS intersection. Um, it also is attached to uh, Mabu Kong. Uh, mall MBK, which is a major tourist destination. There's a lot of like sort of cheap tourist goods there. You get some knockoffs and CM uh, Paragon and whatnot are close by. And the fights were free. I yeah, mean, and the fights the, were most importantly free. That's the biggest thing for me. It was like I always promoted it because I was like, why wouldn't you want to just come down here and watch some fights for free? It's easy. So I got a chance to pull up one of these. Uh, AAA AAA commentary write-ups that I was talking about before. Why don't you read it? This one's uh, between Gabriel Mazzetti from Peru, who's real good. Uh, he recently fought uh, Muan Tupa. Uh, Sophie. Sophie. Yeah. Um, it's okay. How, how, how am I a commentator when I can't <laughs> no, I pronounce mean, I'm names? Sure, I'm sure I've said a lot um, of names wrong. So, read yeah, I want you to just read it aloud because I do. I think it's good. All right, um, really evenly matched first round until it wasn't. Both fighters were exchanging nice low kicks and both looked strong. Then Mazzetti connected with a crisp short left hook that had Sophie's eyes rolling back so hard they might have hit the canvas before he did. That's a good line. (laughs) (laughs) Mazzetti lost a somewhat controversial decision to Payak Samui previously, and it was clear this time around he had no plans to leave it in the judges' hands. He will now get a chance to avenge his brother's loss to Kitty in the King's Cup final. Yeah, and then uh, Mazzetti actually fought Kitty. He, lo- he, he lost. He lost some points, but he did well. He did well, and Kitty's I, a, is a Kitty's like a monster. Yeah, he's an up and coming star. For yeah, sure. he um, was at Max Muay Thai for a while and was like plowing through people, and then switched over to Thai fight. Um, thanks for reading that. I liked it. Yeah, I like. Uh, I enjoy doing you know, those. It's um. It's come a long way. I, I, I've sort of found my voice, and that's probably why I have my, my three followers. <laughs> Your three hardcore followers in one hand. But yeah, like when I watch the fights at Thai Fight, basically the results sheet, I'll take notes. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's I'll, smart. I'll, so I'll basically make a bunch of notes while I'm watching the fights. In between rounds, when we go to commercial break, I'll jot down a bunch of stuff, some of which is clever. Most of which isn't. <laughs> That's and, how it goes, though. And then, like, a few days after that, I'll revisit it mm-hmm. and I'll do the write-ups. And yeah. to be honest, most of the clever stuff that I come up with actually comes then. Mm. So, like, the stuff that I've written down previously, there are a couple of c- clever things in there. But mostly it's just so that I don't have to watch the fight again. Right. So that I've got all of the action written down. I, I can just regurgitate that. And then while I'm writing it, I might find some some clever stuff to put in there the second time around. Um, so you are a general sports fan, uh, mm-hmm. which I am actually not. I I like boxing. I'll watch like a boxing. You're fight. a specialist. I, I am a specialist. Um, I mainly do Muay Thai. I now I occasionally watch MMA, only when people I know are fighting, which is like once a month. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have a pretty broad background in sports. You're a big uh, Celtics fan, obviously, a MMA fan. How do you feel other sports and like commentary and journalism work that's maybe different from Muay Thai? Well, yeah, kind of like what I said before, I think there's a lot more room 
for humor in other sports. Mm-hmm. You just don't see it. You just don't see it that much with with fighting. Mm-hmm. And fighting just feels mostly like what you end up reading is recaps. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I'm writing recaps as well, but trying to put a little a little humor in there. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm kind of obsessed with sports. I have been my whole life. Basketball, volleyball, tennis, football, baseball, hockey, everything. I really wanted to be an athlete. That's the truth. That was oh, like my yeah. dream job. I, I did, not a fighter. Not a fighter yeah, at all because yeah, yeah. I can't take a punch. That's okay. Um, but I don't have the genetics. I, I'm kind of pissed at my mom and my dad. My dad's like <laughs> five foot eight. My mom's like five foot five. Neither one of them ever played sports. Oh, and, yeah. So, I mean, I guess I should be grateful that I'm even 5'11". But. Yeah, I was never... I was never athletic as a kid. Um, no, I'm still not, but I got that I want to be. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I think a lot of my interest in sports comes from is is that I wanted to be an athlete, and I respect people that are athletes. And I think when you talk about fighting in particular, even though fighting is maybe not my pa- my number one passion mm-hmm. because I like so many different things, if you talk about respect and admiration, I think I have more respect and admiration for fighters than any other kinds of athletes because the amount of self-sacrifice that goes into creating a career or even attempting a career in that sport, the amount of dedication and perseverance that it takes to make it is just, I think these are things that I really, really admire and respect. Yeah, I don't always think of it in terms of uh, self-sacrifice. I think people are making choices. Well... I think Westerners especially that are in the fight game are making clear choices. Mm. I feel like uh, the Thais that are doing Muay Thai, it's a, their range of choices are a lot more limited. That's true. They but get pushed it is, into it a They lot get like pushed into it a bit more. Like It's sort of like, well, you know, you're really good at this. It makes us money. This is what you got to do. Yeah, you know, you got to take care of your family. You got to take you care of your family, town. you know, and it's just like it's a job and it's but more But I still have a lot of respect for that because those guys are like they're in a corner, you know, yeah. and they're and they're trying to fight their way out of it and to be to be honest, most of those fighters they never fight their way out of it. Mhm. They yeah, never that make is enough one. money. They yep. ne- they never get the amount of money or respect that they deserve. And so that kind of is another reason why I feel like I enjoy promoting them and and watching them and rooting for them because I just feel like um, you know the struggle is real. Yeah, I mean I love Western athletes too. You know, you look at um, football players in college and whatnot. They go, they get these free rides to college, mm. and they're because they're put through like the training so much they can't really study, and then if they get injured, they're out of college. You know, there's. A but lot the, of but the, the I think there's like a lot more light at the end of the tunnel for for, for those kind of athletes. Because yeah. if you do make it, you're gonna make a ton of money. Yeah. Even if you just even if you're just not even really successful, just to get signed to one contract you could make enough money to take care of yourself for a long time. I don't yeah. think that that's really That is not true for it's not Muay true Thai. for Muay Thai in particular and for most of the fight sports. I mean, of course you can make it. Yeah. But I think the vast majority do you know, not spend their career yeah. struggling. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at, you know, how many Conor McGregor's are there? You know, yeah. one. And, <laughs> and there's a lot more, like, you go to, like, some of these fight camps, and I'm sure you've been to a lot of them. Yeah. And there's probably 
dudes there holding pads that are like legends. Yeah, absolutely. Legends in the sport, and now they're just like living in a gym, eating rice, <laughs> holding pads for people. Yeah. And that's like that's their career, and I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of sadness in that, but that's just that's part of the game, I guess. Yeah, it's it's totally part of the game. Um, so moving on a little or shifting topics, uh, what, can you describe a shift at work for me? What is it like, you know, obviously tie fight moves around, but yeah, well, with tie fight, it depends. It depends on the location and, and whatnot. Ideally, if we're in a great situation, we might fly in in the morning and have a couple hours in the hotel just to sort of do some background research into all the fighters and get some prep done and then usually early afternoon maybe like 2 or 3 p.m. we'll go to the stadium we'll get our our uniforms so to speak for the night we'll which get is our, what a just polo? a polo that you yeah. flip the collar up like a cool college kid yeah. you are a cool college kid <laughs> <laughs> thanks and uh, you'll get a packet of information from the the, peop- the liaison so to speak and it'll just have all the information about the fighters the event yada 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 and like I said Aaron and I will usually be pretty prepared by that point just knowing who's fighting and who they fought before who they're going to fight next their records um, Aaron does a really good job of like reaching out to a lot of the fighters on Facebook and just get like asking them who their favorite fighters are just like a like a standard list of questions just to try to draw some some information from them obviously that's more for the the Western fight or the foreign fighters mm-hmm. because ne- neither one of us speak Thai at the level. Hey, Aaron speaks okay. He's getting he's getting Thai, there. Right? He's getting there, but I don't think it's Jade, at the level Jade where speaks a better little Thai, bit more, a yeah. little bit more. But I don't think it's at the level where he can like message Sanchai on Facebook in yeah. Thai and and ask him questions mm-hmm. and write it down. So, but anyways, that'll just give us like some B roll stuff to talk about when the fights are happening and realistically. I mean, I write like a, I write like an intro for each one of the mm-hmm. events. I, Aaron lets me do the intro. Yeah, mm-hmm. like welcome. Here we are. The blah blah blah. Stars and the sun and the sky. Whatever. <laughs> and um, you know, sometimes they're really quite good. I think, even though you know you only hear it for like thirty seconds and then mm-hmm. it's gone. But I don't write that until the show's like five minutes away. Because <laughs> like, I, I'm just I don't. There's something about me where I cannot get my creative juices flowing until it's the absolute deadline (laughs) so i've tried i've tried like writing those like two or three hours in advance or even the night before and i i just got nothing yeah once the tie fight music comes on and i start to feel the energy of the crowd Mm -hmm. and we've done our sound checks and i know it's coming that's usually when when it'll come to me that's funny um so uh moving on a little you also worked at MBK. We talked. We actually touched on that mm-hmm. a bit. You've been commentating for basically four years now. Yep, four or five years. Um, have you had any, you know, pivotal moments in your career? Do you feel? Well, yeah. I mean, I honestly, I've got two. I think the first pivotal moment was just getting invited to MBK mm-hmm. by Aaron because without him reaching out to me and asking me to come join him, I probably wouldn't be here today. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be involved in the sport at all. So that was definitely the first the first big moment. Second big moment, probably... And there was a time, maybe two years ago, where things were going really, really well for me. I was working for... I think MBK was still going on at that time. I was working for TIE Fight. 
I was working for Kun Loon. Mm-hmm. I had done a few Channel Seven shows. You know, I was I had my my fingers in a lot of pies, so to speak. And um, I noticed a, an advertisement on Facebook for, from one championship, basically saying they were recruiting more talent because the the organization was growing and growing mm-hmm. and growing. And so I sent my resume to them, and I actually got contacted back. I was quite surprised by one of their talent scouts. I, I'm not surprised. Okay, thanks. And um, so he set up an interview, a Skype interview, and it was pretty exciting. I mean, I couldn't believe I was about to, to interview for one of the biggest fight promotions on the planet. And uh, we had this Skype interview, and it was going quite well, I thought. And then he hit me with this question, and I think I messed it up. He basically asked me, how comfortable are you with the producer talking in your ear, counting you down to commercials, et cetera, et cetera? And I was honest. I mean, I've always been honest to a fault. It's just one of my char- many character flaws. And or yet- <laughs> attributes. I think it's an attribute. And so I told him the truth. I said, look, TIE Fight doesn't do any of that. I don't- we just have to wing it. We have to look at the, the screen and find out when the commercials are coming and just work through it ourselves. And But honestly, like... I guarantee if you were doing that with me, I would I would learn really quickly. It wouldn't be a problem. I To be honest, I doubt that any show out here in Asia does that sort of stuff mm. b- besides one championship. Well, Kun Loon didn't. Yeah, Thai Fight didn't. Uh, Ma- Channel 7 didn't. No, Max Muay Thai doesn't. Yeah. Um, what are the other shows that have... They might for the Thai side. I, I don't know. I don't think they do, to be honest. Like, I actually, you know, recently found out, oh, the voices cut out, like, at this part mm. from, like, my comment. Yeah, Aaron and I figured that out. Yeah. But we, you know, we, figured, we figured it we, out. Yeah, we figured it out. And I think, like, that really shows a lot of adaptivity. Yeah, you know, I mean, but like, I could just tell in that moment of the interview, his, like, his his mood changed. Yeah. I could just feel him go like, oh, well, you know, we were kind of looking for somebody that had more experience with that. And and he thanked me for the interview and said that, you know, you know, we're probably going to go in a different direction, but we might contact you. And I just never heard back from him. Mm-hmm. That was a huge moment for me because at that time, there was, I was entertaining the thought of Muay Thai, MMA, kickboxing commentary becoming a career. I was at that time teaching and doing this and it was sort of like diverging paths. Am I going to commit to one or the other? And after that kind of went south, I sort of just committed to teaching after yeah. that. But honestly, I love working for TIE Fight. I love the fact that it's not the major leagues. Mm-hmm. Because Aaron and I have the freedom to do our own thing. Yeah. So many places you see the same format of like, this guy is the play-by-play guy. He went to school for broadcast. This guy is the color commentary guy. He used to fight, or he used to play the sport, mm-hmm. and he has the, well, I'll tell you what the locker room smells like, Jim. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I'm not saying that doesn't work. Obviously, it works, or they wouldn't keep using it. Mm-hmm. But Aaron and I are flexible. We yeah. take turns rotating between who's doing the play-by-play and who's doing the color commentary. Mm-hmm. And we're able to do that because we've been working together so long, and we know each other. I knew that when I was interviewing for one championship, I knew what they wanted me to do. They mm-hmm. wanted me to be... John Anik. They mm-hmm. wanted me to be like, well, this fight brought to you by Frito Lays. Well, that looked like a strong punch, Tom. Could you tell me more about what it feels like to punch somebody? <laughs> and I just thought to myself, I don't want to fucking do that. Uh-huh. Like, I don't think I would have fun doing that. Mm-hmm. Like, the, the situation I'm in now, and that I've always been in with Aaron, is that we have a little bit of freedom to 
to express ourselves and, and have fun with ourselves while also informing the audience on what's going on. And, and to me, that's, that's perfect. So yeah. in a sense, I think I'm lucky to kind of be, to sort of have reached my glass ceiling and, and be a little bit under those, those top, top positions. I think it's also very, very difficult to have a career in the sport. Um, you know, Muay Thai is, there's not a lot of money in it. Right now, it's expanding. Um, you know, there are people like me who I have a full time career in the sport, but I also do a bunch of things. And it's like I can't have one job because I wouldn't be able to support myself. So, like, having one job, like, as a commentator, you know, it's tough. It's very tough. And you there's know, only a few. It's there's like only a few in Thailand would, that are really like full time positions. I would say there's, yeah, there's only. Uh, us guys at Max Muay Thai yep. that are full time because Max Muay Thai is um, seven days a week. It's regular. Yeah. And the other thing is like everyone else has side jobs. Um, Rob has does stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dorian does other stuff. There's or a lot Dorian of hu- doesn't. A lot of hustling yeah, involved. You have to hustle real hard for it. Um, so you know the the sport is growing, but you know it's not quite. Uh, career, you know, Western career money. Yeah, and I, I felt like that, even if I would have gotten the opportunity for one, I felt like that would have, it still would have been the case. Yeah. You know, uh, they, yeah, I mean, they absolutely. do a lot of events, but maybe they would have needed yeah. me for four, four events a year. You, and then exactly. what am I doing for a visa? Where am I getting yeah. my money in those, in yeah. those six months that I don't have an event? I mean, it was, it was tricky. And yeah. like I said, I didn't get the, the shot, but I think in a lot of ways I, I might have even dodged a bullet. So that was a yeah definitely a pivotal moment for me. Yeah, it's just interesting to get that perspective to like understand things and also you know the thing the other thing is like a lot of times the development happens at the bottom and it works up. So like you know the you know just because the format is color commentator and play-by-play guy does not mean that's going that's the way it's going to be in the future mm. because sports is changing the world is changing that's the way it goes and you know a lot of times it changes from the bottom up so you know we'll see what happens but um i guess moving a little bit differently what do you feel like you've learned overall from being in the game and in the sport for you know, four plus years now. Well, I've, and in the heart of the sport, I've learned a lot about Muay Thai. Like yeah. all the kind of things that we've been talking about, about what these fighters' lives are like, what their struggles are like, the money involved, the techniques, and how to call a fight, and all that stuff. I didn't know any of this stuff five mm-hmm. years ago. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, my my co-commentator has been sort of lucky to. He's got a father that's been like a Muay Thai legend, so to speak. So. He's always been involved in it in some respects. I jumped in five or six years ago, and I've had to learn everything on the fly. And now I feel, you know, relatively fluent with with Muay Thai. I've just been, I just wanted to touch on that again. How cool it is to come out here, and just get a job working at, at like a near top level of a sport because that's like we said when I was talking about getting into broadcast. That's what I wanted to do, 
mm-hmm. with the Celtics. Yeah. And then I realized straight away that was never going to happen. Yeah, it's very, the kids very that I rare. To, the kids I went to university with, mm-hmm. some of them are still, like, filming high school basketball games and Damn. stuff. I mean, like, that's that's what broadcast journalism is. That's the reality of that mm-hmm. career is that once you finish school, you're going to be doing like high school women's basketball games for the next 12 years mm-hmm. and just hoping and waiting for a break. Mm-hmm. And I looked at that reality and I was like, no way. I'm not. I was really spoiled, to be honest. I was like, I just want to, can I just go work for the Celtics? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then I moved out here to Thailand and it kind of happened. Like, yeah, you know, I got involved with MBK and then two years later I'm working for yeah. Thai Fight, which is one of the biggest fight companies in in thailand so it's kind of strange that i that i found my way out here yeah i always like tell you know people that being out here in thailand is like it's an accelerator Mm. for your your career in a lot of ways especially in muay thai in the fight world it's less competition Uh, for sure less competition there's a lot more opportunities opportunities. especially especially if you just stay Mm -hmm. like you know, there's not many long-term foreigners out here in the sport. So when you are out here for a while doing stuff, people know you because there's like, there's ten of you. Yeah, you I know? mean, we all know each other. We all know each other. All the all pretty of much us every com- single commentator. Yeah, we that all works know. in and Thailand or even Southeast Asia. I know almost yeah. all of them. And there's ten. You know, I think ten of us all together. Yeah. Um, so that gives us so much more opportunity, um, which is obviously very good for us. Uh, but it also, you know, people are just not making the leap to come out here. And it's too bad, but, you know. Oh, good for us. Good for us. <laughs> you know? I don't feel bad. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, I always encourage people to come out and do it and whatever. But, you know, hands off my piece of the yeah, pie, motherfucker. Ex- exactly, exactly. <laughs> So, um, because you've been out here for a while um, and you've seen the sort of changes in the sport, how do you think this sport is developing and what do you think uh, should happen with this sport? Well, geez, I mean, I just, I want to see fighters treated better and I want to see them make more money and I want to see them promoted and I want to see the sport succeed, but... Like you said, it's growing, but it's also, at the same time, it's so precarious. Mm-hmm. And so much of it depends on stuff that I don't really promote or get involved with or even understand, like gambling. Mm-hmm. I know that so much of this sport... I've been told before that, that without gambling, Muay Thai in Thailand wouldn't even exist. Well, I And I don't know how true yeah, that is. I don't necessarily... Like, so, I think it's like sort of true sort of not true because like on the grassroots level like in Isan a lot of the um, fans are gamblers Mm -hmm. and it's like a local thing so the gambling even at Channel 7 though when you go there you see so much gambling for sure for sure major stadiums Raja but also you you know you have to look at the the entertainment shows like Max Muay Thai, where, you know, tons of people are being exposed to it, mm-hmm. or Thai Fi, or, yep. you know, Super Champ. And then also, you you need to realize, like, how many people are watching on TV and yep. on their phones. Yep. You know, you look at, like, a Raja Demner video online, and you just look at the count 
of like views and stuff and it's it's high it's astronomical the big difference though is that these people are not going to the stadiums hmm. because they're not i think the stadiums is more for that local tie it's either going to be local ties, people that are involved in it, people that are gambling, or it's going to be like the foreigner that's yeah, just come to visit and wants, exactly. the, wants the experience. Yeah, but, man. you know, I think the success of MMA and how mainstream it's becoming has done a lot, has done a lot for Muay Thai. Mm-hmm. Because the more that people become aware of mixed martial arts and the more successful it becomes, the more attention ends up trickling down to Muay Thai because the reality is most fighters in the UFC or Bellator or one championship use Muay Thai as their striking technique or at least train in it at some Mm -hmm. point and so that shines a lot of light and attention on the sport as well I mean we've seen just when I came out here eight years ago Phuket was not a thing was not a thing yeah people weren't flying all over the world from all over the world to go down to Phuket to train for Muay Thai or MMA and now it's like you go down to Phuket and it's become it's become a fighter's island Mm -hmm. essentially and well sports tourism yeah so that's that's a thing that's definitely part of the development of Mm -hmm. the sport and look I, I I just I hope that it develops more and more just from a selfish standpoint because I enjoy it yeah. Uh, I'm involved in it, and I like watching it. And like I said, also, I want the I want the athletes to do well. Mm-hmm. What do you think it will take for the athletes to do better? Like, what do you think it will... You know, because, like, you know, you have, like, Raja Demner and champions, mm. and they get, like, you know, Amoy San is, like, a fighter that makes 100,000 baht for fight. And you... So that's, like, the elite stadium-level fighters. They're making like three thousand dollars USD for a fight, and like you know that's From you know I, shit okay. money for the UFC yeah. or like any MMA fight in the states. It's tough, man, because from what I understand of, of those situations, the camps take a lot of the money. The well, camps the camps and the coaches generally the, the it's a contract. Fifty percent. It's usually fifty percent, and and the fighters themselves. Like we've kind of talked about, a lot of the times they come from poor, mm-hmm. destitute, like desperate, uneducated families. I mean, these fighters are not in a position to come in and say, "This is what you're going to give me." Yeah, right. This is like, why I'm not. not like, yeah. Which is a lot of what we see in the UFC happening more, and, and other MMA sports are fighters basically taking more agency. Yeah, and saying like, "You need to do this for me." And I don't think we've really I'm the seen, star yeah, here. Yeah. And I'm the attraction. Yeah. I'm the one that brings the money in. I deserve better. And I don't think we've really seen that in Muay Thai, especially not in the like the Rashidam Nern and Lupini yeah. stadiums. I would love to see that. I would love to see those fighters sort of be a little bit more educated about the game and not get themselves into situations where they're being manipulated or treated unfairly. I just mm. don't know if there's the avenue for that yeah i do you know i think there's a few different things that i think that's a good point um that a lot of the fighters don't have a lot of agency um in like their salaries and negotiations and stuff because it's like the camp owners are working as their managers a lot of times and then i think you know it's also a cultural thing you know you're the you know, a lot of times the fighters out here are seen as low as well. Mm-hmm. You know, looked down upon. Yeah, it's a bit looked down upon. You know, we we do have like a resurgence 
in Muay Thai and that you know there's all the fitness Muay Thai stuff for sure and some of the fighters get out I mean you look at a guy like Sidichai yeah Sidichai came from what from Buri Ram or something yeah Buri Ram I believe and he was one of those guys that we're talking about you know mm-hmm. poor family just fought for his family and but he found a way out yeah right? he found a way to keep building his skills and promoting himself and then he got to glory yeah. I'm sure he makes a lot more money and I'm sure he has a lot more agency fighting for that kind of organization than he would have if he would have continued fighting in the stadiums. So yeah, for sure. I think... Um, I mean, but that's also like, you know, Siddichai is like the fringe case. Yeah. no, He's it's the, the outlier. It's the outlier. He's the yeah, outlier. For sure. For sure. I just... I, what I'm saying is I would be happy to see more situations like that. Yeah, I mean, where fighters 100%. basically, they go through those stadiums to get their experience, to build mm-hmm. their skills, and they find a way to to go to get out. I mean, obviously, yeah. Bulakow did it at the end yeah. level. Yeah. And he really set the standard for it. But Sidichai has done it. There's been a couple other fighters who have done it as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's that whole one championship aspect of it as well, where a lot of those fighters have gone on to, uh, what is it, Evolve, that now yeah, has all, yeah, yeah. like, so many of the fighters have gone there mm-hmm. and have gone there as trainers. And I've mm-hmm. heard they get paid quite well for that. I mean, we'll see how sustainable it is, yeah. but... Yeah, I mean, I, that's a rumor as well that the evolved trainers do get paid well. And, mm. But, you know, we'll see what happens long term, of course. You know, yeah, we'll see what happens, basically. So, I guess moving to a little bit of a lighter thing uh, subject, what are some of the wild things you've said on air? Do you have any uh, colorful <laughs> stories from your color commentary? Uh, I mean, I don't. I don't think I've ever sworn on air, but I've definitely said some pretty dumb stuff. Yeah. Um, not even getting into just saying fighters' names wrong, which has definitely happened. <laughs> um, I can think of one... Are you one good t- at pronunciation? I've gotten better. I've yeah. certainly gotten a lot better. And a lot of that, again, is credit to Aaron because Aaron is half Thai and he's helped me a lot with... He can read Thai a little bit. So a lot of times if I'm struggling with a name, I can ask him. But a lot of it also just comes from experience. I've said so many Thai names over the last four years that I've started to realize that the the different tricks and and also pitfalls where, like, you look at a name, you think it's said a certain way, but if you're familiar with how Thai names are, you just know. Like Pet Moncon. Yeah, like like, Petch. Petch or Pet. Like, you don't have to say Petch or, like, the way you pronounce a, a, a V. Or oh, you know, like, certain situations like, like that, it's a just, w- or like, yeah, or Why? Like, a J, like a J at the end of a name. You just oh, it's a T yeah, or it's like, silent. All kinds of little tricks like that that you just learn from doing it. But yeah, I can think of one time because <laughs> um, you know I like to be humorous. I like mm. to be informational, but also humorous. And Aaron is kind of like my barometer for mm. what's okay. <laughs> yeah. So like when we work together, sometimes I'll go too far. And he'll give me a look, and I'll know, like, okay, I gotta dial it back in. Like, that's too far. So I remember one time at a tie fight, they were like just showing the crowd, and they zoomed in on a, on a girl in the crowd, and I just for some reason decided to do her voice. I was yeah. like, oh, I'm here at tie fight. I'm watching the fight. This is so much fun. And Aaron just looked at me like, what? what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and I was like immediately like embarrassed. Like, yeah, that was, why did I do that? Yeah. That was really cringeworthy. And so, you know, there's still moments where you try new things and you, you, you to see bomb. what works. And sometimes, sometimes they really don't work well. And you, yeah, I've never done that again. 
the uh, woman the woman voice got cut off yeah. immediately after after that. So the two big things I think off the top of my head. Uh, one time I was commentating with Rob, and <laughs> this guy swept his opponent, and I said, "Oh, he took a real he took a really big dump." <laughs> That, no, that's great. See, I think that's great. <laughs> like, and Rob was like, "Do I can do see how like, Rob wouldn't like that? He's a bit dry. Yeah, he's, a bit he's serious. like, do Americans like say that? Isn't that like some you know phrasing for shit?" Mm. And he was like, meh, meh, meh. Um, The other one is was recently. I worked uh, commentating for four years, and the other night I was like, "Oh fuck!" On the, that's pretty bad. Yeah, on air. Um, I think I said, "Oh fuck." Like that. I think we knew what you meant. Yeah, yeah, but, you know, I cursed <laughs> enough, and I, I was like, oh, God, oops. Um, obviously, you're not supposed to curse on air. Sure. Um, you know, that was the first time. But, like, the the reason why I did it was, like, it was this fight between, you know, two 20-year-olds at max on, like, a weekday. Not super experienced guys, but, like, you know, decent. They're, and they're going at it hitting each other hard one of them comes out with an elbow and the other one drops like a fucking sack of potatoes immediately like the velocity of his fall was intense and i was just like shocked and went oh fuck there's no excuses matt it's un- unprofessional oh, unprofessional <laughs> yeah i i can't free i can't let these fucking free falls you know yeah. give me potty Come on, man mouth. you're supposed to be a pro you've seen yeah, it all i know i've seen it all and then you know, I got surprised once, but I guess that's the way it goes. Um, so I guess wrapping things up, uh, was there anything that you wanted to talk about that we didn't talk about? Um, oh, man, I, I don't know. I, I, I could talk about this stuff all day. I really I really love it. And um, I guess we can talk about my, my catchphrase. Oh, yeah. Let's hear your catchphrase. I so, like it a lot. There's a funny story behind there's it. There's two of them. I feel. Well, you have one, right? For me. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm Adam Martin. Yeah. Which is not, I'm Adam Martin. I love it. It's not something I ever say. <laughs> no. But, um... <laughs> Anytime there's a knockout. There was a time... I'm Adam Martin. <laughs> there was a time maybe like three years ago, two or three years ago, when Aaron and I were taking a van back from one of the TIE Fight events, and we sort of started talking about, you know commentators they always have a catchphrase yeah like, like uh, Chevello has yeah. like more hits than google the big kibosh the big kibosh is his good big night one. irene yeah, yeah yeah and um and we had realized that n- neither one of us really had one does aaron have one kind of i mean he says it's all over but i feel like maybe a lot of people have have said that one yeah. now granted i i like it when he says that. i think it sounds great yeah, it's yeah, not it's like good. um it's not phrase. i don't know if you could trademark it yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. It's not as original as, like, the big kibosh yeah. or something like that. So we, I, the funny thing about it was, like, how it came about. We were in the van, and it was probably really late, like, past midnight, and we're exhausted. And sometimes the best creative thoughts come to you when you're exhausted. Mm-hmm. And basically, we were just taking the piss out of it. We were going back and forth, making up the most ridiculous catchphrases, just laughing trying to think of something. I mean, it was the ridiculous stuff, like, here comes his dad with the spanking. Like, just <laughs> stupid, stupid stuff that we were here laughing comes at. comes spanking. That's sort of... That's sort of funny. See, yeah, we were, we, were that, van, yeah like, we were in the van, like, well, you know, would this okay. work? Would this work? Here comes the spanking. <laughs> <laughs> so I eventually stumbled onto something good, which is what I use now, 
which is um, when someone gets knocked out, I just shout, Medic! Medic! <laughs> yeah, that, that's good. Where it really came from is I watch a lot of war movies, and obviously when someone's leg gets blown off or something <laughs> traumatic happens, that's what you hear. You hear the, the shrill, the scream of Medic. And so somehow that came up during that meandering, silly conversation. Mm-hmm. It was just like a moment of seriousness in there and we kind of both thought about it and we were like actually I think that's pretty good yeah it is pretty good so yeah I mean I use it now and Aaron is gracious enough to basically like he knows that that I have this thing so if there's a knockout he'll he'll give me the airtime. yeah and this is what I kind of talked about before how we know each other well enough that that we like we allow each other to do things Mm -hmm. you know like I I honestly like I let him do most of the talking yeah, that's because, fine. Because he's great. He's great at calling the action, and, and when he's in the rhythm, I let him do his thing. Yeah. And then I add things from time to time, and we cycle on and off, and and um, he knows that if there's a knockout, that I'll probably do my thing. Because a lot of the times when we first started working together, you know, a knockout would happen, and what's your natural reaction when a knockout happens? You get excited. You yeah. want to say something. And so yeah. a lot of the times we would both end up talking. Yeah, yeah, I know And that's I know awful. What you, mean. you don't want to do that. Yeah. And, and we also didn't want to, like, assign it and be like, well, you get to talk this time. Mm. A lot of it was just from feel and working together long enough to kind of knowing, like, oh, he was talking before, so I'm going to let him finish this one off. Yeah. But now we have, like, this unspoken thing where if there's an actual knockout, he'll usually give me, he'll usually allow me to, to get my little catchphrase yeah. in there. That's which good. Is, which is really cool. It's probably one of the, the most fun things that I've, that I've developed through the years. I think the other cool thing I've developed is, um, and I think I might have stolen this from, from a commentator that I listened to, but like I'll, I'll, I'll growl a little bit. I do a little bit of growling. Really? Like, yeah, like if there's like a... Like your Wolverine? <laughs> like <laughs> like uh, if there's like an exciting part of the fight but it's not like you're not going to scream you're mm-hmm. not like oh my god kind of exciting you kind of growl like oh and it's a vicious knee to the body right there from like whatever oh, like, yeah, you get into you, this you, like you, low yeah. kind of guttural yeah. growling thing that's something I just started doing that's probably good within, like, the last 12 that's good voice months. control stuff it's just stuff you pick up yeah. from, from doing it a lot you know but um yeah I don't know I don't know what else what else to talk about that's cool. Well, I appreciate you taking your time out um, here in your wonderful condo yeah. in beautiful Bangkok, Do you feel Thailand. Awkward being a man in my room right now. You don't feel uh, um, you're in danger. I <laughs> I had to talk to Teddy like you want a week. Drink? Or, yeah, I had to talk to Teddy a week or two ago. Okay, and he was a little more hands on, aggressive. <laughs> we'll say. So, uh, thank you, Adam. Um, if people want to follow you or check you out, where should they do so? Oh, God. Well, I've got a YouTube channel that's dead, so that's probably um, so, a great place uh, to start. developing. No, it's literally my email. I, I made the mistake of starting that channel years ago with my work email without realizing it. And Can then when I, when, I, no, when I left the school... They killed my email, and oh. now the channel's dead. I can't go back on it. Oh, but there is a YouTube channel for AA commentary. There's a Facebook page for AA commentary. That's link, um, Adam link. and Aaron commentary. Yep. Aaron Siri Sampan, uh, Adam's co-commentator, whose dad is 
uh, Woody, Master Woody, who owns Luktapfa Gym and is also associated with the WMO. Yeah, so you can find a bunch of stuff on there. They link to each other. Some of our some of our broadcasts that we've been able to rip from YouTube and just upcoming fight cards and those those wonderful write-ups you like so much. Yeah, I like them. <laughs> well, thank you again for being on the show today. Sure. I guess I'll say one more thing. Yeah, go for it. I'm Adam Martin. <laughs> So that was the interview with Adam Martin. I thought it was really interesting, especially about some of the sort of pivotal moments in his career and career trajectory. It's very difficult to have a full-time career in the sport um, as a fighter or as any other sort of person in the business. Um, So I totally understand why he made the choice to stick to teaching. It was also a little bit about opportunity. Um, just coming out here to Thailand acts as an accelerator for your career in the sport. So Adam's gotten a lot of opportunities, as have I, um, just by being out here. Um, so I definitely encourage anyone that is interested in being part of the sport in any way to just come out to Thailand, especially come and stay. Uh, so thank you so much to Adam Martin and... Uh, if you'd like to reach me, you can follow me on Instagram at LucasBKK or email me at a period Matt period Lucas at gmail.com. Um, thank you so much for listening. This has been On Fighting in Thailand, the best news and analysis covering the economics and infrastructure of Muay Thai. I'm Matt Lucas, journalist, commentator, and ex-Muay Thai fighter. Make stronger fighters, make stronger people.